0: Our reading this morning comes from Colossians chapter 3 and we're going to be starting at verse 12 going through to chapter 4 verse 6 so Colossians 3 starting at verse 12 therefore as God's chosen people holy and dearly loved clothe yourselves with compassion kindness humility Let the message of Christ dwell in you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom, through psalms, hymns and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Wives, submit yourselves to your husbands as is fitting in the Lord, husbands, Love your wives and do not be harsh with them. Children, obey your parents in everything, for this pleases the Lord. Fathers, do not embitter your children or they will become discouraged. Slaves, obey your earthly masters in everything and do it not only when their eyes is on you and to curry their favour, but with sincerity of heart and reverence for the Lord. Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart, as working for the Lord not for human masters since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward it is the Lord Christ you are serving anyone who does wrong will be repaid for their wrongs and there is no favoritism masters provide your slaves with what is right and fair because you know that you also have a master in heaven How to answer everyone.
1: Thanks, Rob. Thanks, Andrew. Good morning, everybody. Lovely to see you here. I'm Reuben. I'm one of the pastors here at Riverbank. It's my privilege to open up this passage with you now. And I'd like to begin by letting you know about something that happens to me quite often. And to be honest, it makes me a little bit uncomfortable. It usually goes a little bit like this. I meet someone new, uh, they're a lovely Christian, and then they find out that I'm a pastor. And they say something like this, oh, wow, you're a pastor. Oh, wow, that's, that's great. Wow, your parents must be so proud. And to be honest, comments like that make me quite uncomfortable. Because it makes me think about my brother, who's a lawyer. It makes me think about my sister who works in a cafe. It makes me think about my two other sisters who are full-time mums. And I think, is my work more important and more holy than theirs? Is that right? Is my work as a minister more pleasing to God than the work of a teacher or a courier driver or a dentist or a full-time parent? Well, this morning we're continuing our our sermon series, One Body, Everybody." And you might remember a few weeks ago, we started by seeing how we are all together the body of Christ. Uh, The church is, is Christ's body. We are all different. We're all needed. We all fit together. In week two, we looked at spiritual gifts, at how God empowers us by His Spirit to serve in all different ways to build each other up in the faith. Then in week three, we looked at the importance of love as the glue that binds all of us together. Last week, we looked at how God gives different roles in the church to men and women. Now, all of that kind of segues into what we want to think about today. Because it's possible to go away from all of that and think, okay, well, yeah, I guess following Jesus is really all about the church. So I guess if I want to live for Jesus, then I do that when I come to church on Sunday and and when I volunteer in a ministry at church and and maybe when I go to my growth group and have a growth partner, but the rest of the time, well, I don't know. I mean, I've got all these commitments with my family and my friends and my my work and my study and my hobbies. What What do I do with all those other things in my life? I guess they're just kind of obstacles that keep me from the more important stuff like reading the Bible and praying and going to church. But is that right? What, what would happen if I thought about my life like that? Well, our, our Christian faith starts to get turned into something private, something part-time, something compartmentalized that kind of lives over here, disconnected from most of what I do every day. And we don't admit that aloud, of course, because that sounds doesn't sound like good theology, does it? But in practice, if we're honest, that is how it feels sometimes. We can feel like we're stuck between two different worlds. You know, there's this one here, which is all about Jesus, and then there's this other world where we actually live and work and do other less spiritual things, which actually we kind of love. Lots of fun things like going to work and playing sport and watching TV and enjoying good food and drink with our family and our friends. What happens when we view our lives like this? Well, it can be quite jarring. It's actually quite spiritually dissatisfying. And it's a tragedy because it completely misunderstands the life God wants us to live. It shrinks our salvation It sucks the purpose and the significance and the joy and the beauty out of life. Thankfully, God's Word shows us a better way. And that's what we want to think about this morning. We're going to mostly camp out in that passage there in Colossians 3. So if you've got a Bible open there, that's fantastic. We'll look at a few other passages as well. And we've got two points today. The first is this. We are called to salvation in Christ. We're called... To salvation in Christ. You remember that well-meaning Christian who said to me, oh wow, you're a pastor. Your parents must be very proud. I think one of the reasons we can be tempted to think like that is because we think of ministers and, and missionaries as receiving this sort of special call from God. You know, something a bit mystical, maybe a lightning bolt, maybe a voice in your head. But actually that's not how the Bible usually speaks about calling. Again and again, the New Testament uses the word call to describe what has happened to every Christian. For example, 1 Peter 2 verse 9, we've been called out of darkness into his wonderful light. 1 Corinthians 1 verse 2, we've been called to be God's holy people. 1 Corinthians 1 verse 9, We've been called into fellowship with His Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. All these verses are talking about the same thing. We're called to salvation in Christ. Now, I've got a little boy. Uh, he's about two years old. And often when I get home from work, there are just toys strewn all over the house. And so I call him and I say, Hey, let's pack up these toys together. And usually when I do that, my call achieves absolutely nothing. Nothing. And the toys don't move. Lucky for him, I don't just love him when he obeys. No, I love him because at the start of his life, I called him my son, Ravi. And I set my unconditional love on him. And so too for us, calling as Christians isn't first and foremost something that God calls us to do. It is first and foremost something that God has already done. It is about who we already are. See this. It's beautiful there in Colossians 3, verse 12. Paul addresses us as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved. That's who we are. Chosen, holy, dearly loved. How is it possible? Well, if you flick back uh, to Colossians 1, it's because you've been raised with Christ. Uh, Verse 3, because you died and your life is now hidden with Christ who is on high. When Jesus died, we died to sin. When Jesus rose, we rose to new spiritual life. This This is what we call the gospel. It's the good news. It's that before we did a single good deed... Before we had any chance to leave our lives of sin behind, God says in Christ, You are holy, you are dearly loved. Now, you might be thinking, What does this have to do with work? The work we do during the week? Well, it's important to start here because it means that your work is not your primary calling in life, it is not your main identity. I am not primarily a pastor. You are not primarily a mum, or a teacher or a mechanic. If we want to understand our work to get it right, we have to start here. We are primarily called to salvation in Christ. So if you're a young person and you're thinking about your future, start here. If you're feeling frustrated in your work, start here. If you love Your work its the best thing in your life. Start here. Christian, your primary calling, your primary identity is child of God, holy and dearly loved, saved in Christ. That's where Christian calling starts. But that's not where Christian calling ends. Because our salvation is like a doorway. And it's not just a doorway into the auditorium of a church building. It is a doorway into a whole new life. And this is our second point. We're called to live for Christ. We're called to salvation in Christ. Flowing out of that, we're called to live for Christ. 2 Timothy 1 verse 9 says, We're called to a holy life. Ephesians 4 verse 1 says, We're to live a life worthy of the calling we have received. And that famous verse in Romans 12 Paul unpacks this idea by saying, offer your bodies as living sacrifices. Not offer God two hours on a Sunday morning. Not offer God 10% of your income. No, offer God yourself. Not by dying on an altar. Jesus has done that. We are to be living sacrifices and we offer God every breath, every dollar, every skill, every opportunity that we have. and we can hear that and think it sounds pretty burdensome oh boy we say living for god in everything that is a big ask that sounds heavy but that's not how paul thinks about it for paul the call to live for christ is jolly good news this is actually what makes our salvation so good. It's, it's good that it doesn't just change a few minor things here and there. It's good that it transforms every single part of our lives. You know those reality shows where someone comes into this dirty, uh, cluttered house and they do a big makeover? right? And, and if they start in your bedroom and, and they, they make it look awesome with new storage and new clothes and new bedding and a fresh coat of paint... When they finish in the bedroom, you don't say, "All right, now get out of here. Please just leave the rest of the house a mess. (laughs) No, you say, can can you stick around and, and do the kids' room too, and then the lounge will be great, and the kitchen, and the garage. The same is true for the Christian life. One of the most wonderful things about being a Christian is that we don't just get our sins forgiven, and then keep on living the same way that we did before. No, the tidal wave of God's grace floods and renews every single part of our lives. That's what Paul wants to show us in Colossians 3 and 4. Have a look, have a look again with me. Skim through verses 12 to 16, Paul talks about how God's grace transforms the church community. Now, we're not going to look at that in detail this morning, because much of that is a recap of what we've already looked at in this series. The church community, 12 to 16. But then in verse 17, Paul kind of blows things wide open. Because as he starts to think about the implications of this new life in Christ, his mind starts to sprint in a million different directions. He's thinking, oh, it's not just our involvement. It's not just our life in the church. Paul says, it's, it's, it's whatever you do. Verse 17, and whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. And then he starts to unpack this and apply this to all the different areas of our lives. Uh, Verses 18 and 19, he talks to wives and husbands. Awesome. God's grace is going to transform our marriages verses 20 to 21 he talks to children and fathers awesome god's grace is going to transform our families verse 22 through to chapter 4 verse 1 he talks to slaves and masters which i think for us today applies pretty well to employers and employees awesome god's grace is going to transform how we do our jobs and then in chapter 4 verses 5 to 6 he talks about our relationship with people who aren't christians awesome God's grace is going to transform every single relationship in our lives. Maybe we can think about all these different things as like petals on a flower. And they're all held together in the middle by one central thing. What is it? Verse 17. Whatever you do, whether in word or deed, that's all the flower petals, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus. Do you see the central thing? Jesus is Lord. He's Lord of all. And so when we're saved, He becomes Lord of every single part of our whole lives. Everything we do. And that is exactly how life was always meant to be. Way back in the beginning. As Christians, we're being restored to do what we were always made to do. To worship and honor the loving Creator and Lord of all to be his image bearers, spreading his love and goodness through everything we do, everywhere we go. Okay, now come come with me. Let's go back in time. Let's go back to Germany. 500 years ago, come and meet a guy called Martin Luther. Luther was a devout man. He was determined to live for God. And the Roman Catholic Church, which he was part of, said, well, if you really want to go all in for God, then you have to enter the service of the church by becoming either a priest or a monk. So Luther decided to become a monk and it required him to take three vows. He had to renounce marriage and choose celibacy. He had to renounce secular work and choose what they called obedience. And he had to renounce economic advancement and choose poverty. In other words, if you want to be a holy person who really lives for God, then you can't be undistracted by these unholy things like marriage and work and money. And as you can imagine, this created a separation in society, right? Because the priests and the monks were considered to be closer to God. In fact, when the farmers and the milkmaids and the bakers came to church each Sunday, it was the job of the priest to help them approach God. The priest was the middleman, the mediator between them and God. So who had the more important job, the priest or the milkmaid? (laughs) The priest! The priest! Of course, he was doing God's work. And the milkmaid, she's just milking cows. And then Luther started to study his Bible. And the more and more he did, the more he became bothered by this system. Because he realized that the milkmaid didn't need the priest in order to have a relationship with God. She only needed Jesus, the great high priest. In fact, while she was out there in the field, sitting on her stool milking cows she could talk directly to God through Jesus. She could confess her sins, she could pray, she could receive forgiveness without any help from the priest. And that got Luther's brain ticking even further, because then he started thinking to himself, well then, the priest isn't actually more important than the milkmaid, is he? Both of them are equal in the eyes of God, both of them are doing important work, it's just that one works in the church and one works in the field. And that led to a profound change in the way that Christians view work. People began to realize that all Christians are called to exactly the same thing. Get this, this is important. All Christians are called to serve God with all their lives. I really want us to grasp this today. All of us are called to full-time Christian service. The question is not, will I be an average Christian or one of those really committed ones who becomes a minister or a missionary? No, we are all called to full-time Christian service. The only question is, what will that look like in your life? Because as Luther studied the Bible and passages like this one here in Colossians 3, he saw that there were three main arenas in life, three main arenas. The household, the church... And the state. And God calls all Christians to live faithfully for Him in all three of these arenas. All three of these things are kind of our, our work, our vocation, our calling. Not just your paid job for eight hours a day, but your whole life. The household, the church, and the state. The household, right? Refers to the family. Uh, this includes your relationships. Being a husband or wife, being a father or mother, being a son or daughter. It also includes all the work that you do to provide economically for your household. Then there's the church, arena number two. All Christians are called to be members of the church. We all play different roles, do different things. Some will be employed in the church as pastors and gospel workers. And then three, there's the state. Because you see, we all live somewhere, in a certain country, with certain cultural and political obligations, and part of living well in God's world is working within the society we're in to bless it and to cause it to flourish. And so we vote, and we work to improve our communities, and we lobby our governments, and we serve in public offices, etc., etc., so three arenas, household, church, and state. And some people push back and said, Luther, you can't be serious. You can't tell me that the servant scooping manure in the stables is as important as the mayor of the city or, or the missionary in Africa. And we still find ourselves thinking that way, don't we? We rank jobs. We may think that pastors are more spiritual than plumbers that doctors are more important than garbos? Or paid work is more worthwhile than unpaid work? Like full-time parenting or being retired? Luther said, no! Actually, even the most mundane task you can think of, doing nappies, stapling paper, can be an act of worship to God. How? How? If, Colossians 3 verse 17, we do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. If, as Paul says to the slaves, see there in verse 22, they work with sincerity of heart and reverence for the Lord. And then he goes on, talking to the slaves in verse 23, whatever you do, work at it with all your heart. It's working for the Lord, not for human masters since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. It is the Lord Christ you are serving. So you see, it's not as simple as saying, well, some things in life are spiritual, like praying. And some things in life are non-spiritual, like cooking dinner. Think about the Lord's prayer for a minute. We pray, give us this day our daily bread right? Hear what Luther says about this. Ready for some Luther? I've translated it from German. No, I haven't. Someone else did. When you pray for daily bread, you are praying for everything that contributes to your having and enjoying your daily bread. You must open up and expand your thinking so that it reaches not only as far as the flour bin and baking oven, but also out over the broad fields the farmlands, and the entire country that produces, processes, and conveys to us our daily bread and all kinds of nourishment. End quote. Uh, Tim Keller comments on this in his excellent book on work. He says, So how does God feed every living thing today? Isn't it through the farmer, the baker, the retailer, the website programmer, the truck driver, and all who contribute to bring us Food. This is how God works in our world. He could just zap food onto our plates every evening. But he has chosen to work through us. And so Luther says, I love this, God milks the cows through the milkmaids. (laughs) And friends, this starts to transform how we think about work. This is why in chapter 4, verse 1, Paul says to slave masters, and I think this applies to employers here today. Hey, there is no cause for pride. You have a master too, the Lord of heaven and earth. And he wants to, he wants to provide for your employees through you. So you better treat them well. You better be concerned for their physical and their emotional and their spiritual health and not just treat them as a commodity. And that is transformative in our cutthroat capitalist society, don't you think? And then to, to the slave, to those of us here this morning who are employees, Paul says, hey, you're actually working for the Lord. You're his hands and feet. He's using you to bless others. Doesn't that bring satisfaction and meaning to your work? It's no longer just about you and your paycheck and the sense of self-worth and the social status you can get from your job. You're already holy and dearly loved. Now get out there and live to please God and bless others. And if your goal is to serve God, doesn't that inspire you to do the best job you can possibly do? Martin Luther King, Jr. once said, If it falls to your lot to be a street sweeper, sweep the streets like Michelangelo painted pictures, like Shakespeare wrote poetry, like Beethoven composed music. Sweep streets so well that all the hosts of heaven and earth will have to pause and say, Here lived a great street sweeper who swept his job well. Well, we've covered a lot of ground today, haven't we? We've been wrestling with that struggle that we experience as Christians. Feeling like we're stuck living in two different worlds. There's that spiritual world that's all about Jesus, which happens when you read your Bible and pray and go to church. And then there's this other world over here where we actually spend most of our time. And it's all very nice for those church pastors and church staff who God calls to work full-time for the church. But what about the rest of us? And I hope that we've started to see that that view of the Christian life is actually quite warped. Because in fact, our central, most foundational calling is the call to salvation in Christ. And that salvation is a doorway into a whole new life. A life where Christ is Lord over all and calls us to live and work for Him in everything we do. And I wouldn't be surprised after this if if I've only raised more questions than answers. And if that's true for you right now, I'd say, great, my job is done. Working out exactly what this means for you in your situation, that is not easy. What I really want to do today is encourage every one of us to be wrestling with this and to actually speak about it with each other. How does my faith and my work fit together? What if we made that a part of our conversation? You know, when we catch up and ask each other, how was work this week? What if you found a growth partner and read a great Christian book on work and just chatted about it together? We're about to finish. As we do, let me land with a few practical applications which will hopefully start us down this road together. First, try to see the worth in what you do. Work is a good gift from God. And as we serve and create and design and dig, we love our neighbours and we honour God. Second, we live in a sinful world and part of loving others must include bringing the gospel to them. The very places where God has put us to work are the places where He has put us to be salt and light in the home, in the community, in the workplace, everywhere. Third, think about how you can live for Christ in all arenas of your life, home, church, state. All of those are important because Christ is Lord of all. That's going to keep us from idolizing church work. It's going to help us balance job, family, church, and it's going to keep retirees and stay-at-home parents from thinking that we're only working if we're being paid. Fourth, realize that each of us will probably spend more time in one of those three arenas than the others. Depending on the needs around us, depending on the season that we're in, depending on the specific way that God has made us. How do you work out which arena God particularly wants you in? Initially, it's best to stay exactly where you are. This was Paul's advice to new believers who are converted. He says in 1 Corinthians 7.17, he says, "Don't, Don't leave your marriage and your job when you're saved. Now learn to live faithfully for God right in the place where He has you right now. And then over time, stay alert to how God might want to use you. Uh, consider the needs that arise around you. Consider your own skills, gifts, and passions. And I think for every one of us, that should include the question whether God might be leading you to do work for the church or some other Christian ministry. There are many good reasons to take a secular job, and there are many good reasons to work for the church. The problem is that we don't ask, huh, why am I doing what I'm doing? Am I living my life for God with intentionality? Sadly, there are many Christians in the secular workforce who just, they never really ask that question. The problem is not that they aren't pastors. That may or may not be God's will for them. The problem is that they aren't working for the Lord with all their heart. Fifth and finally, remember the most important thing is not what you do, but how you do it. Whatever you do, do it for the Lord. With your whole heart, to the best of your ability. So, whatever you go out to do this week, think about who you're doing it for. And as you do it, pray. Pray in your head, God, please help me to do this well. Please use this to make the world a better place. Please use this to spread your goodness and your glory. Amen. Let's pray that now. Lord God, thank you that you have called us to salvation in Christ. This is our primary identity. This is all our security, all our hope, all our joy. Thank you, Lord, that it's not something little which hides over there for Sunday mornings. Thank you that you have called us to live for Christ in everything we do. Lord, my prayer is that every one of us here would think carefully about all the different things we do in our lives, our paid work and unpaid, all the different responsibilities that we face. We pray, Lord, that we would do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus Lord, we pray that you would help us to do it well. We pray that you would help us to do it as an act of love for the people around us, for our society. Lord, we pray that the way that we work as Christians would be noticeable to others around us, that they would see that we have a joy and a purpose and a security that they don't. And Lord, we pray that we might be salt and light all through this world so that more and more will come to know the joy of having Jesus Christ as the Lord of our lives. We pray this in his name. Amen.